You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Christ Walk Church! How's everybody doing this morning? What an incredible day, just an incredible presence of the Lord that's here in the house with us. This morning, I'm believing that that's going to continue. Um, I'm excited about today's message. If you've got a Bible or a smart device, I want to invite you, encourage you to turn with me or swipe with me to um, the Old Testament. We're going to land in the book of Proverbs. Um, to start off, if you're using a traditional uh, leather and paper Bible, kind of open it up to the middle, and then you should be in the book of Psalms. Turn right. Uh, one book, and you'll find yourself in the book of Proverbs. We're going to uh, be in chapter four, and we'll land there ju- in, in, in just a minute. Um, you know, I don't know about you here this morning, but I've never met anybody that planned to be 50 pounds overweight. <laughs> or I, I've never come across anybody in conversation that said, you know what, I think I'm going to file for bankruptcy in a few years. Or someone who made the decision to get addicted to drugs or to have an affair and destroy their marriage. In fact, whenever I talk to people who have experienced things like that, the majority of them tell me that they didn't mean for it to happen. It just sort of did. It wasn't one big thing. It was just a lot of little things that built up over time until they finally looked around and realized, "Uh uh-oh, I'm in a mess. See, chances are pretty solid that there's nobody in the room here this morning that's planning to go out of here today and wreck their life. The problem is, is that there's also a lot of us that are not planning not to go out of here and wreck our life either. And so today we're continuing a series called The Ways of the Lies, where we're taking a look at what the Bible teaches us about living successful and fulfilled lives. And and last week, we talked about making wise decisions and the importance of deciding now what we're going to do later. And we we put a formula together and the formula looks like this. It's very simple. It says, when I am faced with blank, I will blank. And so what happens is, is we make these kinds of decisions ahead of time based on our values. And, And we talked about the fact that our decisions determine our directions and our directions ultimately determine our destination. And so over the course of this series, we're going to take a look together at how we can arrive at six specific destinations so that you and I can become people who are prepared, who are devoted, who are generous, who are faithful, who are consistent, and finally, who are finishers. And so today, we're going to tackle the challenge of overcoming temptation, overcoming temptation. I felt like an audible butt clench like take place (laughs) right there whenever I said that. Um, It's okay. It's going to be okay. Yeah, the subject's a little heavy. I did just say butt clench. I'm sorry. But I I felt it. It was like, you know, it's going to be okay. We're in this together. All right? 
Proverbs 4, um, hopefully you've turned there or swiped there by now. We're going to start in verse 14, um, and then we'll read a couple verses and then skip down to 25. So uh, it reads this way. It says, don't do as the wicked do, and don't follow the path of evildoers. Don't even think about it. Don't go that way. There's a lot of don'ts here, kind of warning us that the writer of Proverbs is warning us about temptation. He says, turn away and keep moving. Skipping down to verse 25, it says, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Pretty direct, pretty straightforward on some things that that you and I need to do, or in this case, maybe not do in order to keep ourselves away from temptation. See, ultimately, what the writer of this passage of Proverbs is communicating to us is, is really like if you simplify it and you pare it down and you put it in like some tangible, logical terms that are they're very practical for you and me today, it's, it's this right here. Instead of basing your decisions on what feels good today, base them on who you want to become tomorrow. Instead of basing your decisions on what feels good today, base them on who you want to become tomorrow. That's how we navigate around temptation. We're not going to give in to the things that feel good today that are going to get our focus uh, pointed in a different direction or get our feet off of the straight and narrow path. Instead, we're going to make decisions on where we're headed and who we are becoming. Here's the deal. Let's face it here this morning. We've all succumbed to various temptations in our lives. Every single one of us, including your pastor, has made decisions that we've later regretted, right? A couple truthful people in the room. It's okay. See, we've, all of us, we've chosen to live in the moment rather than taking the big picture into consideration. And so the question is that we begin with here this morning is why, why do we do that? We don't want to do those things. We, we know we shouldn't do those things, but yet we, we continue to make the decisions that cause us to live in the moment rather than considering the big picture. And the answer is a very simple one. It's because we just weren't ready. It's because we weren't ready. Consider this, 1 Peter 5.8. Peter writes, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 1 Corinthians 16, Paul writes this. He says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Matthew 26 41, Jesus says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. MMA fighter Conor McGregor puts it this way. He says, I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. So why is it so important for us to stay alert or to watch out, or to be on guard, or to keep watch. Why, why is this concept repeated over and over and over again throughout the scriptures? 
Well, for starters, it's because the devil's offense is stronger than we think it is. The devil's offense is stronger than we think. Consider this, what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, I wrote you as I did to test you and see if you would fully comply with my instructions so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Just a few days ago, we had the national championship game between Georgia and Texas Christian University. And leading up to that game, we heard ad nauseum from all of the talking head experts on ESPN and other channels breaking down the offensive strategies of either team. They, they looked at countless hours of film and they talked about the strengths and the weaknesses of both sides. They highlighted specific plays from over the course of the season, showing what each team would do in various situations. And the coaches of each team did the same thing with their teams in the locker room and in the film rooms leading up to the game over the, over the course of the days leading up. And after the opening kickoff, it quickly became abundantly clear that despite the fact TCU knew what Georgia was going to do, there was very little that they could do to stop any of it, thus resulting in a 65-7 to shellacking, I believe is the uh, theological term. (laughs) See, we all know the devil's game plan. Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That's his game plan. That's what he's always been up to. From the beginning of time and every moment since, he's wanted to do nothing but to steal and kill and to utterly destroy your life. Not only do we know his game plan, but we also know his strategy. His strategy has been the same all the way back since the Garden of Eden. He tempts us with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We fast forward all the way from the beginning of Genesis to the New Testament, 1 John 2, 16, and John's talking about it. He says, for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, the lust of the flesh, a craving for everything we see, the lust of the eyes, and a pride in our achievements and possessions, the pride of life. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. Yet even though you and I, we know all of this, we have all of this information readily at our disposal, we still succumb to the tactics of the devil time and time again. So why do we do that? Well, it's not just because the devil's offense is stronger than we think it is, but it's also because our defense is weaker than we think it is. Our defense is weaker than we think it is. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, he says, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. He gives us a warning. The reason Paul puts this warning in there is because it's been proven that people tend to overestimate their ability to resist temptation. This is commonly known as restraint bias. And the definition of restraint bias is where you falsely believe that you're able to resist more than you actually can. 
I love this quote from Oscar Wilde who said, I can resist anything except temptation. See, we, we tend to overestimate our ability because resisting temptation takes tons of energy. And when faced with it time and time and time again, the part of our brain that controls our willpower wears out and we eventually give in. I once heard somebody say, it's not my willpower that's the problem. It's my want power that keeps letting me down. It reminds me of a story about an overweight businessman who had decided it was time to shed some excessive pounds. He took his new diet seriously. He even changed his driving route to avoid his favorite bakery. But one morning, caught in traffic, he ended up on a detour that took him by the bakery, which later led to him showing up at work with a gigantic coffee cake in hand. Everyone in the office scolded him They reminded him of his quest to lose the weight, but his smile remained nonetheless. He told everyone, this is a special coffee cake. He said, I I ended up having to drive by the bakery this morning because of a a detour and some construction and road work, and, and it led me by the bakery, and there in the window was a majestic host of goodies. I felt like it wasn't an accident, so I prayed, Lord, If you want me to have one of those delicious coffee cakes that I see, let there be a parking spot open right in the front of the bakery. And wouldn't you know it, sure enough, the eighth time around the block, that parking spot opened up. So I pulled in, went in and got myself a coffee cake. So the question is, is if if the devil's offense is stronger than we think it is, And if our defense is weaker than we think it is, then I don't know, when when I think about that, I wonder like, what hope do we have, right? If he's stronger and better than we think, and I'm I'm weaker and worse than I think, then like, should I just like roll over and and just, you know, take it? Like, what, what what are we supposed to do? Is there anything that you and I can do to stand against the temptations that come our way? And I'm so glad when you all ask such thoughtful questions. You're so smart. See, remember, the key to success is to decide now what we're going to do later. The truth is, is that you and I, we can't wait until the heat is on to decide how we're going to handle the situation. Because if we do that, you and I, we're going to get burned every single time. So for the next few minutes, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. I want to talk about three things you and I need to know to overcome temptation. Three things we need to know to overcome temptation. First thing we need to know to overcome temptation is we need to know where the edge is. We need to know where the edge is. See, you and I, we, we all, everyone wants to know from, from the moment that we are our little bitty babies, we want to know all the way up through, chi- all the way up through our childhood and, and into adulthood, we want to know how close can I get to the line without sinning? How much can I get away with and still be inside the boundary? Like at what point 
Do I need to grab the remote and turn the TV off and no longer watch that show or that movie? Or how far is too far with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Or, or how much can I drink without getting drunk? And questions like these. We all want to know how close can we get without giving in to sin. And the problem with that is, is that we tend to go too far because we don't know where the edge is until it's much too late and we've already fallen off the cliff. See, the key is don't get close to the edge. Don't get close to the edge. Think about it. We don't have this kind of mindset in any other aspect of our life. Like nobody gets in the car here in Fernandina, notices that their their fuel light is on and goes, I can probably make it to Key West. No, you go, I've got to stop and fill up if I'm going to be able to get there. Nobody ever wonders how close they can get their hand to the spinning chainsaw blade without cutting their finger off. Nobody's doing that on purpose. No, we keep our hands away from it because it's dangerous. And so what we have to do is we we have to make the decision now to put distance between us and the edge. I realize if I get too close to the edge, there is a point that if I take one more step, I can fall off of the stage. So that's why they put this rug up here for me. Because I'm slow. And I just know if I stay here on this rug, I'm, I'm safe. It's called creating margin. It's called creating margin. We know where the edge is. We back away from that. We draw a new line and we put that in place and say, I'm not going to go past that boundary because past that boundary and one more step and I'm at the edge. And so we create this margin so that we know that no matter where we move, we can always be in the safety zone. See, this is why David ended up sinning with Bathsheba. It was because he didn't put distance between himself and the edge. There was no margin in his life. We read in 2 Samuel uh, chapter chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war. So we see right there that David was not where he was supposed to be in the first place. It said, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. And late one afternoon after his midday rest, man, it is good to be the king, right? (laughs) Taking a midday nap, that's what I'm talking about. It said, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. What I read there is instead of David being where he was supposed to be, he instead got up from his midday nap and he walked out on the roof of the palace and he was thinking about what a great king he was because he sent his army, uh, his army off to fight the battle and, and they were victorious and he's staying behind and has got all the comforts of home and he's well rested and everything. And so I'm gonna walk up to the roof of the palace and I'm gonna look out over everything that I have done and the kingdom that I have built for myself. And he's out there on the edge of the roof of the palace. And that's where he got into trouble because he sees this woman 
bathing. And then one thing escalated into another, and David got himself into a big mess. It was because he was not where he was supposed to be. Had he been out on the battlefield where he was supposed to be, he would have never been back at the palace. Had he stayed off of the roof, had he not gotten out to the edge, he would have never seen Bathsheba bathing. It's because he didn't create any margin, and because of his poor choices, he found himself in what I like to call the danger zone. See, the danger zone is the area of no return. It's, it's where you're, you're teetering on the edge, and you don't even realize it, and you're about to fall. See, if you have the tendency to rack up debt on your credit card, if that's the danger zone for you, you need to get some scissors and cut that thing in half. That's how you get out of the danger zone. If you have the tendency to go out and get drunk on the weekend, the, the way you stay out of the danger zone is don't go to the bar anymore. If, if you have the tendency to engage in premarital sex, you need to stay vertical and go to public places. That's how you get rid of of the danger zone in your life. You get the idea of what I'm talking about. This is, this is very real because it's the stuff that you and like, it's what we deal with, it's what we face. So you have to create a barrier between you and sin. You've, you've gotta put some margins in place. And in some cases, you've gotta be pretty extreme about it. Because after all, we're talking about the difference between life and death. And some may say, but Pastor Blake, nobody lives that way. That's too restrictive. It's uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like it, but here's the thing. When we look at it through a different lens and we change our perspective about it, what it is, it's not restrictive. It's actually freeing. Because the person who lives their life well inside the boundaries that God has set in place, they can run around without fear of falling off the edge. As long as I stay right here on this rug, I know I'm in a good spot. But when I get off the rug, I know that one more step and I could be down there in the floor and all y'all laughing at me. So as long as I'm well within the boundary, I can move around as much as I want. That's freeing. So some of y'all, you need to tell Kenny Loggins to kick rocks and get out of the danger zone. There's a few people that'll get that on the way home. <laughs> Psalm 16.6 says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. See, when we know where the edge is, we're able to put margins in place so that we can stay safely away from it. And the boundary lines are put in pleasant places. I have a delightful inheritance. I'm not going to slip and fall off the edge. Instead, I'm going to receive the delight of what it means to follow the Lord in faithful obedience. Amen? Amen. First thing, we got to know where the edge is. Number two, we need to know what the expense is. We need to know what the expense is. First Peter 5.18 we read this before, it says, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That is the expense. That's the cost that the devil wants to devour you. 
Because whenever we give in to temptation, there's always a risk that is involved that could lead to our destruction. It could lead to us being devoured. So you and I, if we're going to consider the expense, we need to consider what could go wrong. A question that we need to ask ourselves is, is what is the, uh, the worst case scenario that could take place? Like if I engage in this activity, what's the worst that could take place? Maybe someone could get pregnant. Maybe it would sour my reputation. Maybe I would lose my job. Perhaps I would get a divorce. Maybe I would compromise my relationship with my children. Maybe I could lose my life. And then as you begin to consider what those worst case scenario things are, then you need to ask yourself another question. Am I willing to pay that price? If that's what it costs, if that is the expense, am I willing to pay that price? Because here's the truth of the matter. We don't, we don't sin inside of a vacuum. We don't, we don't just do what we want to do without any kinds of consequences. And, and we're told in Numbers 32, verse 23, this. It says, you will have sinned against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. One way or another. One way or another, your sin will find you out. I like to think about it this way. Imagine if I were to ever betray the vows that I made to Sarah on our wedding day. Sadly, we've seen so many pastors succumb to that temptation in their life and ministry. And, and please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm, up, I'm not up here on some sort of high horse or whatever. I, I speak from, from this perspective saying, there but for the grace of God go I. But imagine... If I were to ever betray the vows that I made to Sarah on my wedding day, it would, I, I would be compromising my integrity. I would lose Sarah's trust. I would lose the respect of my children. I would lose your faith in me as a leader. I would potentially damage the reputation of this church and our community. I would no doubt end up losing my position as the pastor of Christ's walk. Like, think about it, five minutes of weakness could easily destroy a lifetime that was built on serving the Lord. And make no mistake about it, it is exactly what the enemy would want to happen. Precisely, that is his goal. That's his end game. That's what we know is going on, not just in my life, but in your life as well. And the reason that feels so heavy this morning is because it's heavy this morning. So, based on what we know about that, I would encourage you to, number one, pray for your pastor. And number two, be aware that the devil is on the attack and decide now what you're going to do to be ready for when that attack comes. Because it is not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. We've got to know where the edge is. We've got to know what the expense is, number three. We've got to know where the exit is. We've got to know where the exit is. 
When you fly on an airplane or you go to a movie theater or there's a number of other scenarios in life, there's always someone highlighting the emergency exits. Even here in this room, we have signage that's lit up over top of the doors. The reason is, is because if if there's a situation that arises and things go sideways, that you and I, we need to know the quickest way to get out of this place. It's the same with temptation. We got to know where the exit is. Consider Joseph from the Old Testament. You know, Joseph is a character um, from the scriptures that I've always considered myself to be a lot like. I've always identified myself with him. The Bible says Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife was, uh, soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Now, think about the situation at hand. You've got Joseph here. He's working for Potiphar. He's been elevated to this high position. He, he, is, um, he is in charge of all of the other servants in the home. And Potiphar's wife, she takes a liking to him. He's young. He's handsome. He's got muscles. He probably has a tan from working outside in the Egyptian sun. And in that moment, it would have been very easy for Joseph to give in. They're there in the house, and they could have gone to her, her, uh, her bedroom, her sleeping quarters, whatever it was that they would have called. They could have been all alone. There would have been nobody that would have found out. He could have sent all the servants to go elsewhere. Like He had the power to make this happen. And on the flip side of that, considering Potiphar's wife, she, she was a powerful woman. Her husband was a very powerful man in the community. And so she had power as a result of that and, and, and power in that household. And, and when she snapped her fingers, people had to do what she said. It's a good chance that she was not accustomed to being told no or being refused for anything that she wanted. We can assume that that she was likely attractive. Potiphar was wealthy and and he would have had access to to all of the the beautification treatments and the perfumes and the oils and and everything that, that they could have done to make his wife appealing. Joseph was young and single and that cougar was on the prowl. You know what I'm talking about? And it would have been easy for Joseph to even blame God for what was going on. God, you're the one that gave me those dreams. You're the one that made my brothers mad and caused them to sell me into slavery. You're the one that I'm, you're the reason that I'm even in this mess to begin with. So God, if you didn't want me to do that, then why did you put me here in the first place? See, we have a tendency to do that. We'll often use our disappointments to satisfy and justify our disobedience. Well, God, my my spouse isn't meeting my needs, so I gotta go over here and just do what I gotta do. 
You gave me these desires. You, you gave me these, or you gave me these needs after all. Or, or God, you put me in this situation. So, so I guess I'm just going to make the most of it. Like, I'm just going to live my life and whatever happens is what happens. But God, this is on you. It, it's, it's not on me. It's really easy for us. And a lot of us have the tendency to do that. We, we want to blame God for putting us in the positions that, that are causing this temptation. God, God will allow us to be tempted, but he is not the one tempting us. He's going to put us in some of those situations so that we can lean into him and his strength in order to make it to make it through, and, and we find out that, that blaming God and, and, and giving into that, that's not what Joseph did. Instead, he resisted at every turn. Because after all, Potiphar trusted him. And Joseph took the attitude and the position of, how in the world could, could I sin against Potiphar? And how in the world could I sin against God? So he, he looked at Potiphar's wife and he said, no, thank you. And you and I, we'd like to think that that was the end of the story, that it was just as easy as that, that she said, hey, why don't you come sleep with me? And he said, yeah, no thanks, and then it ended right there. But that's not what happened. Genesis 39.10 says, she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. Day after day, she kept on trying to wear him down. And even Joseph, a hero of the faith, he found himself in a position where he, he was no longer strong enough to resist that temptation. But you know what he was? Even though he, he found himself in a position that, that he was on the brink of giving in, he may not have been strong, but he was smart. See, I told you I identified with Joseph. He was a smart guy. He knew where the exit was. So when Potiphar's wife came for him with that look in her eye, you know the one. She had the, the scented candles lit, the rose petals scattered about in a trail towards the bedroom. She had Marvin Gaye playing on the stereo. Let's get it on. You know, this is what happened. Genesis thirty nine twelve. it says, She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. And Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. See, Joseph recognized that his integrity was way more valuable than his coat. He had decided ahead of time what he was going to do. And when the pressure became too much, he got out of there like the fat kid in dodgeball. It was over with. First Corinthians 10.13, Paul writes this. He says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. And when you are tempted, see, not if, but when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. The devil's going to go on the offensive, but we're going to be prepared. Because we're going to know where the edge is. We're going to know what the expense is. And we're going to know where the exit is. See, the truth is, is nobody plans to mess up. 
but wise people plan not to. That's the difference. So right here, everyone in the house this morning, those of you watching with us online, I want to invite you to take a quick personal assessment. Like be honest with yourself about your vulnerabilities. And consider this, chances are, like if you said this, chances are, if I'm going to give in to temptation, it's going to be in this area or these areas, fill in the blank. You know what they are. You don't have to tell anybody, but just take a personal assessment. And so now, based on your assessment, what are the things you need to do to put distance between you and that temptation? What are the margins that you need to create to make sure that you don't get too close to the edge and slip and fall? What are the things you need to consider that that if you were to give in to that temptation, go ahead and and consider now what the worst thing that could happen is and, and, and decide for yourself at this moment, are you willing to pay that price? Consider that when that temptation rears its ugly head because no doubt it is going to. For some of you, it's going to be this afternoon after you leave. You're going to go home and and, and something's going to happen and that temptation's going to be there. And when it does, where's the exit? Where's the exit for you? What's the way out of that? For some of us, maybe it's a place that we no longer need to go to anymore. Maybe you need to create a new route like the businessman that was avoiding the bakery. Maybe there's a relationship that you need to cut ties with. Somebody that you just need to push to the fringes of your life. I'm sorry, you're no good for me. It's leading me down a wrong path. I, I, I just, I can't, I can't be around you anymore. It's not that I don't care about you. It, this just isn't working. It's not you, it's me. And we need to have that conversation. Maybe there's an app that you need to delete off of your phone. Or some websites you need to block on your computer. Maybe there is a password you need to share with a trusted friend to hold you accountable to something. Maybe there's a subscription that you need to go home and cancel. Whatever it is, make the decision now. I'm going to decide now what I'm going to do later. So here's the deal. I'll put it to you this way. Why in the world would we resist temptation tomorrow if we can make the decision to eliminate it today? Why in the world would we put ourselves in position where we may slip and fall tomorrow if we can eradicate that from our lives today? Because the guarantee is the devil is going to attack us. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we've already talked about how we are simply not as strong as we think we are. So you and I, the way that we overcome temptation is we got to know where the edge is. We've got to know what the expense is. And we've got to know where the exit is. We've got to decide now what we're going to do later. So when the situation arises, we don't give in to it any longer. 
because we know what wise people know, that when our values are clear, our decisions are easy. And our decisions are not going to be based on the emotion of the moment, but they're going to be based on the values that God has placed in our hearts, the values that come to us from his word. Instead of basing our decisions on what feels good today, we're going to base them on who we want to become tomorrow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power and authority that comes to us from your word. Lord, we thank you for the principles that can be gleaned from your word, Lord, that that we don't have to give in to temptation when it comes our way. But that, Lord, while temptation is something that is common to all of us, it's not you who are tempting us. And when we are tempted, God, you always provide a way out. Father, I pray over your people right now that in the areas of temptation in their lives, Lord, that they would have the wisdom to create margin. They would separate themselves from the edge so that they wouldn't slip and fall. Lord, I pray that that you would help us to be aware of the expense, the cost of our sins. Lord, that we would fight tooth and nail to keep from having to pay that price price that the enemy so desperately wants us to pay he wants to steal from us he wants to kill us he wants to utterly destroy our lives at every turn help us not to put ourselves in situations to have to pay that price God instead I I pray that you would help us to recognize where the exit is Lord that when temptation comes our way Lord that we would do like Joseph and we would run away. Our integrity is so much more valuable. Our relationship with our wife and our children is so much more valuable. Our right standing with you is so much more valuable than anything that we could possibly gain by giving into that temptation. So help us to run away from sin. Live lives of holiness pleasing unto you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would strengthen your people, that you would give them the courage and the boldness to stand strong in the faith in the midst of a culture and a society and a world that is moving in the other direction that says it's okay, just give in to your urges, just give in to your desires, just live the way that you want to live. You do you. You do what feels good. You follow after your truth, Lord, that that you would raise up a church, a mighty army in these last days that would say enough is enough and we're not going to stand any longer. We're not going to just just be steamrolled by the devil any longer, but that we are going to stand firm on the principles and the power of your word. Taking a stand to be the people that you called us to be. And as we stand, Lord, that others would see us, that they would see our example, and that our example would inspire them to follow after you. Lord, help us not to live for the things that are right in front of us or the things that feel good today, 
but help us to sacrifice those desires, those decisions, instead for who we want to be tomorrow. Help us to live for something more. Give you glory, honor, power, and praise. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives as we apply the principles of your word. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.